Okay. So, funny story about this episode. We have movie nights every week, Monday on the Small Beans Discord, Friday on the Gamefully Unemployed Discord. Just patronize us and you can join in. A few weeks back, we watched Final Destination, and my buddy Dave thought it would be hilarious to do a bit where he called Devin Sawa Devon Sawa throughout the night. I should have <laughs> seen that this is a bit. But gullible, lovely Abe fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. So throughout this episode, I actually call our final destination star Devon Sawa. It's hilarious, and we all make mistakes, and I should have checked. So I just want to apologize for any harm this is done to Devon. Fuck! If you had to pick uh, the person who you think was least worthy of death in this movie that did die, who is that person to you? Least worthy of dying? Yeah, didn't deserve... Like, man, they sure didn't deserve it. I guess Stifler. Yeah, I, th- I thought the same thing. I was like, man, what's Stifler doing wrong? He's like, he's just in here being a kind of decent guy. Like, mm-hmm, he's mm-hmm. he's very reluctant to judge any of the yeah. other characters. You know, uh, mm-hmm. he's not even he's he's definitely not like out there being a sex pest as we might expect. He's not mm-hmm. doing that. Why did Stifler have to get his head partial? Why did he have to get the partial decap? Because it was his time. Uh, <laughs> all, and that's the thing is like actually my true belief. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm giving you the aim. answer because yeah. you asked the question. But yeah, my yeah. real feelings on the matter is they all need to die. Oh, all oh, the teens. Oh, wow. You just all dis- the teens need to die because here's the thing. It's a slasher movie. So. They're fun. The they're horror. fodder. They're cannon fodder to you. They're cannon fodder for the slaughter, right. baby. That's okay. what we're here for. <laughs> we're here for the mayhem. Let's get the bodies in a pile. Let uh, them hit the floor. Let it, toss them in the air. Hit the floor again. <laughs> cut them up. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about Final Destination. We sure are. And this is Director Peace Theater, uh, and you're hearing a window into the souls of directors via... <laughs> My uh, colleague, Abe Epperson, and myself, Adam Ganser, we are your two directors and apparently sociopaths. Uh, 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 Yes. uh, It's all make-em-ups. It's just stupid make-em-ups. Right. They're not really dead. They're not really dead. Yeah. Or are they? No, we're not trying to... I don't know why I'm trying to spin this. This I don't know either. True crime podcast. I just... We got to get those hits, man. I'm really... Like, I'm... This I'm really was tired. This was wait, wait. So this is your attempt to get a hit. This final yeah. destination. Okay, all right. Yeah, the, my attempt is to make it seem to try to convince the audience <laughs> that these are real deaths, and we somehow found this out. This is journalism. God damn it! The final, we should just start over. This is final bullshit. destination is is like Blair Witch. It's like a. It's like yeah. a historical document that became fiction over time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Yeah, now now we got the scoop, baby. Yeah, we let's do. get those that clickbait going. Yeah, um, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. We I are mean, directors, and we talk about directing. We do. Um, this was a, techniques. This is a fun movie to pick 
Thank and I am you. proud of you for doing. I'm proud of you for doing it uh, because it, it's uh, it's not the kind of movie that has a strong hand uh, directorially. Ooh. You know what I mean? Like I like it's not a. And I mean I'm not trying to like spin your spin your story here. But like, mm. it's not a movie that you think of and go like, "Oh yeah, like that's a you know that's a Kubrick." You know what I mean? Like, it's not. It's very much like a like a journeyman's kind of film. Uh, at yeah, least that, that was you, my impression you use of that it. Word with me a lot, and I I do. You know what? I like it. <laughs> no, well, uh, that actually I, that's one of my favorite things about what your about your episodes, and this is an Abe episode. Uh, mm. Is Abe is a little bit more courageous about diving into the work of journeyman directors. Uh, because I think he is, I I think you kind of admire people who sort of like worked up through the ranks or like sort of became directors of features, but that wasn't like Mm -hmm. their first or even most career. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like I, like you've done a few like that. I mean, I've done one or two, but you've done more. I think I do uh, mainly that. No, you're right. Every night before I go to bed, I salute uh, framed photos of John Carpenter <laughs> and John McTiernan. I call them the Johns. Yeah, you and I say good night, Johns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then I, I I sleep the sleep of the just. <laughs> they say good night, Abe. Uh, they say good night. That's great. What have you ever met John McTiernan? Like, what what's that interaction like in your mind? Like a normal human being. Like, I don't you're, think you're I normal get starstruck. It. I would be like. Like, do you mean what I mentioned that I like his movies? Yeah. Probably if it came up, if yeah. we we're talking about movies, I'd be like, oh, yeah, by the way, Die Hard, big fan. <laughs> <laughs> but I, mean, I wouldn't you... be like, oh, thank you, sir, for making Die Hard. It changed my life. I Because, like, it did. It sure, did. Sure. But I'm not going to, like, tell John McTiernan, like, put him in that awkward spot where he's now has to deal with a guy who's like, you changed my life, man. It's like, I just met you, dude. You could, you could <laughs> lead off fuck? with... How was jail? You could lead, you could lead off with yeah. that. That might That's really, true. that might do it. He's one of the mm-hmm. few directors who's been on the inside, Abe. Yeah. That's you know? true. So it, it's just, it makes a keen eye, the inside. Yeah. I assume I've never been <laughs> what, on the inside, as, as, you, as you call it. We shouldn't joke too much about it because I don't even remember what he went to jail for, and it might be something heinous. But I thought it was yeah. like tax fraud or something. Uh, maybe I have to look it up. I apologize if it was a murder. I'm very sorry for bringing that up if that's what happened. Uh, anyway, let's talk about Final Destination before they yeah, throw me in jail. Speaking of murders, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I call this episode The Slow Death of Final Destination. Loved that title. Very which poetic. Which is clever. It was. Uh, I liked it. It's clever. <laughs> <laughs> so in 1994, Adam. Ready? I'm ready for this. Uh, this guy, this hopeful television writer uh, by the name of Jeffrey Reddick sent a spec script to the X-Files, the TV show, the X-Files called Flight 180. Uh, it was never produced. I assume it was read because it was of a different time where it's not you could send your spec scripts to the place and they'd read them. Well, uh, prob- I don't think that's necessarily true anymore. I mean, when uh, you're a writer on the X-Files, you can. That's he a, wasn't that's a writer a... on the X Files. He was just a guy who wrote oh, an X Files spec, and um, that's that is wild. Okay, great. And it's and it's uh, and he you know cut to a few years later, he tweaked it into a feature called it Final Destination, and he is the creator of the Final Destination franchise. Uh, I only mention it really because I read it. Um, it's on available online. He made it available, and it's not terrible as per an X Files 
um, episode. It's about Scully's brother having premonitions. Uh, yeah. But this is much better. And by this, I mean, you know, go watch Final Destination. But the basic concept is like a plane blows up and uh, a boy sees, uh, you know, as a premonition like that it happens. So he says, we need to get off this plane. A few like six people get off the plane uh, and the plane still blows up. And the idea of the whole franchise is that death will come after you because you took a life from death. You were supposed to die. So orderly death will proceed in killing you uh and and then you're dead and that you know that's that's the end of the movie so it's a slasher movie death is the antagonist and he's wily and this was an x-files it's it's funny because this movie also like intentionally uh personifies death Mm -hmm. several times uh a thing that it kind of feels like it didn't even need to do you know what I mean? Like I think that was like a weird decision. Like, do you mean like the black cloud monster? That's what. Yeah, but that's not the only way. There's a bunch of ways like that, right? Like, for instance, that's what I'm gonna get into. Oh, I'm sorry. Continue. Forgive me for. Well, uh, no, no, no. Like, I'm gonna talk about how they personify death in a way. Yeah, uh, Spluter's brother. Sorry, Todd's brother. They. Okay, I I, I made a bit. Spluter. I made a bit Spluter. with Abe. <laughs> I made a bit with Abe, where I kept forgetting the name of uh the best fr- like Devin Sawa's best friend, who's it's Todd. But I kept forgetting it, so I called him Spluter, and then I tweeted about it. Oh, yeah. I, I do not remember. No, I did not. I don't remember. It's <laughs> it's it's Todd, but I'll be calling him Spluter still. Uh, yeah. Spluter's brother uh, makes this like pointed remark when they walk on the plane where there's a baby crying, and he'd be like, it's a, it'd be a cruel god to crash this plane. You know what I mean? And then, like, and then sees yeah. the guy with the disability. Uh, like a really cruel god. Like, you know what I mean? Like the sort of underlining that there's a person doing yeah. this which is weird because yeah. i kind of think it's more funny when it's like a, or not funny but fun when it's like a weird like a like a like this mechanical force that's mm-hmm. sort of imp- like i think the impersonalness of it is more interesting i don't know i just thought that was i weird. think yeah uh that is exactly that's the heart of what i'm gonna talk about mm. um I do want to yeah. make another point on this X-Files thing. Oh, which please, yeah. will lead to something. Because I think it's also interesting that many X-Files alumni worked on this movie. James Wong, who directed this movie, was the director of many X-Files episodes. A lot of the camera and crew worked on this movie. It really is an X-Files when you look at it, uh, when you consider what, like, the conceit of uh, typical Monster of the Week episodes are like... And this movie, it fits right in. Um, and the thing about like TV kind of episode concepts is that you only need a bit of scene work to to make it work. Like this is a cool idea, right? I think we can yeah. kind of agree. I, I like the premise. Kind of rips yeah. as a concept. Like death is after you, and you're competing with death. It's kind of got like drag me to hell vibes, right? Um, I think it's better than drag me to hell as a premise. I think as a premise, yeah. yeah I think. Uh, so a TV version of this, which is again how it was conceived, uh, you don't need a lot of like scene work where people need to be introduced. And but slasher is as good as it gets because slasher you don't also need to deep dive into character because they're right. gonna be gone. Um, so TV is this place where like the characters are and the world are fully formed. It's more about the personal relationships between main characters like Scully and Mulder. 
I mentioned this because when we look at the movie's name to fame, it's about cool deaths, right? Recently, I watched this with a bunch of people on the internet. And I'd argue that the deaths that specifically make death out to be some kind of invisible hand that corrects this error, you know, but by using subtlety to make them look like these things are mundane mistakes are essentially uh, what the premise of that X-Files episode is and what Final Destination ought to have been. Um, like and it's of, in there. Like, like you think it should feel more like a personal being guiding these things or more like a cruel fate? Like, I, like irony? I think you see these small maneuvers of death exerting its will. Right. Over the span of the film. And right. I think that the more they're at their best when they're doing that, as opposed to this other thing, which I think Final Destination got distracted by. Uh, and, um, I think eventually killed it. That's it. Yeah. So like by that, you mean the ones where there's like all this, like build up, like the water leaking across the floor and stuff. That's kind of what I'm talking okay, about. Got yeah. it. And then there's, okay. then there's those other ones like that, like for instance, poor Stifler where it's yeah, like, it, and we'll dice. Exactly. Okay. We'll, we'll dissect and like kind of label those. Got because it. Because they become important terms when we get into the theory. Got it. But you're, I think you're seeing what I'm, Putting down. Talk about. Beautiful. Every final destination is basically the same, right? It starts with the premonition of a spect. Have you seen any of the I, sequels? So I saw two with a girlfriend, like I don't know, twenty years ago or whatever. I, like, mm-hmm. like when it was new, I saw it. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I think that's the only other one I saw. That should be enough. Yeah. Uh, it starts, they start with a premonition, right? And it's a spectacular death right up front. All the people in the scene die. Mm-mm-mm, it's delicious. It's like <laughs> a plane in this one. It's yeah. a highway in the second one. Uh, it's a roller coaster in the third. Would it surprise you to learn that it's a NASCAR rally in the fourth? No, I think that's when they're really targeting a specific audience, right? Uh, yeah, baby. The fourth is also the 3D one. Oh, wow. Uh, and the fifth, it's a commuter bridge, uh, which is kind of a return to the second one. Uh, also, Tony Todd's in most of them, so slasher cred, you know. That's cool. Uh, that's a thing. Uh, apparently important in all of these movies is the order in which people die. This yeah. kind of sets up the order of deaths in the movie, right? Like that becomes a plot point. Like, the order is the most important thing. There, there's ways in which they play with that aspect of the premise, which is fine. Yeah, uh, sure. Like, in later movies, people try to skip each other, like I said, or take advantage of the system. But it's a system, right? And that's, like, well-established in the first. Um, yeah. And uh, the reason I mention this is because all these movies seem to be occupied with this kind of workmanlike pro- approach that death has in reclaiming its delinquent souls. So, as we see, Death's hand in these movies is fairly invisible. I mean, I think you would agree. It has, we do see a dark cloud monster like twice in the movie or three times in the movie. But it has to create these like deadly situations for some reason out of materials that previously wouldn't have operated this way. Uh, because the timeline is fucked up, so they feel like they can influence like reality. It's a right that seems to be like the premise, right? It's a mix. Because sometimes it really does feel like there's an invisible demon 
that's like literally trying to kill them and like fucking it up. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, like just bad at it. Yeah, you know? it, it, right. I mean, isn't that sort of the premise of this movie franchise? Is like of, death's yeah, not always that good at it. I think because if there's, uh, there's typically when we go back to the the myths of old, like death is um, assurance, death is certainty. Uh, right. They kind of have to make sure that death isn't entirely certain. Otherwise, there's no suspense. <laughs> well, it's hard. Like, I think it's, and I know this sounds like sort of a like maybe a little bit imp- unimportant, but I think it's actually really important. They didn't mm-hmm. really decide if death is like this, like at like this apparatus that's at work in the universe, like gravity, or if it's mm-hmm. like a, or if it's like a conscious force that's like a- physically attacking these people, because it sort of vacillates between the two. And I personally enjoy it more as this sort of like inescapable, like like force like gravity that like has to accomplish its mission. Right. I find like, like having a villain that is um, compelled to do something as opposed to someone who, yeah, kind of wants to. Right. Um, Like would really get off, you know, if he killed you. Uh, It's a little different from something that like, I cannot exist without you. I have to kill you. Um, that it, it brings it to another level. It brings the stakes higher, the urgency more near to, uh, the drama. So I, I definitely agree. Yeah. Because um, ultimately like most of the thrill of these movies is the Rube Goldberg aspect, right? Yeah. Like sort of like, uh, what are the, what are the pieces that are going to fall together in either a scary or hilarious way that will kill this person? Right. Yeah. And them trying to yeah. them trying to fuck up the machine and either succeed or not. Before we start with that, there's yeah. one other thing I want to mention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because I think it's important that we're like, as you mentioned, we're characterizing death. That's kind of what I'm doing with my theory here. I just all these points I want you to kind of, you know, the idea that you know every Final Destination film is the same. The idea that all these movies are occupied with this workmanlike approach of death. Another thing that death does for some reason is that it hints to the main character. Uh, Hey, I'm coming right now. And here's my plan. (laughs) I'm all cryptic. Like, but I'm doing it. That's the thing that these films also do. Uh, not seemingly apropos of nothing. I mean, it may seem that way because I, I don't know why, but, but it's, uh, it, it is near and dear to the franchise that these, scenes occur uh that it's nonsense but okay let's let's take a ride final destination usually is like a fan cutting up a newspaper clipping or a book uh opening to a page and stuff like that like it's so it has this kind of footprint it leaves and apparently death likes to give puzzles (laughs) to to their main to uh, devon sawa sawa you know like uh that that's yeah that's what it was so uh can i just ask one one this is a dumb clarification but it it really changes how i feel about the film do we have any explanation for why he gets premonitions Okay, are you willing to accept, and I'm not kidding, that it happens because of that airline ticket that they remove from his bag? Remember how he has that scene with his mom and dad? And like right up top, he's yeah. like, she ha- he has the ticket from his last trip, and he's like, don't take that off. It's good luck. And she takes it off anyway. And then his dad, who also believes in curses, right. walks yeah, in. Believes in curses. He walks in and he's like, live it up. You have your whole life ahead of you. And then like gives him a death stare. And it's like... Uh-huh. So like, did they curse him? 
Because it feels like they cursed him there. Am I wrong about that? No, I think you're absolutely right. I think that the parents (laughs) cursed the child. They They cursed cursed him right up. (laughs) And they did this, those fuckers. Like, so... (laughs) They they have a deal with death. Yeah. You know, they did a deal with death and they're like, we're going to kill our son Everybody- <laughs> in the most, like, the most roundabout way. We're going to murder our child. Every parent uh, is and, trying to kill their kid. And who do you have to, when you want to, hey, if you want to kill someone, you go right to death, baby. You just cut through the middleman. You know? Yeah. I mean, I just, just talk directly to the ethereal being, death. I, I mean, I agree. I bring it up because I thought that scene actually made it confusing about the mechanics of the movie. I think they were trying to do something to hint at like what's going on. It's kind of like the ending of the film. Right. Uh, and then when they realized that they had franchise numbers, they were like, fuck that. It's just, let's line them up, baby. Knock them down. So, so, uh, so you're really yeah. sort of saying that they're... That, the film never takes a clear stand on how the machine works. That is kind of part and parcel. And I, so let's talk about the deaths yeah, yeah. a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think that you're nailing it right now. Uh, you're, in fact, getting ahead of me and I'm getting a little sweaty because I'm like, oh, maybe my theory isn't that, uh, you know, interesting. Oh, no, I disagree. Um, Please. Uh, I want to talk about the deaths because I think you're absolutely right about this, like never finding one thing. I think I'll come back to this. Okay. But right now I'd like in order to tell you the deaths real quick of the film. Uh, just because you probably have not just recently watched Final Destination. And I'm not going to count the initial sequence, which is absolutely the set piece of most of these movies. In fact, it's probably the most memorable moments of these movies. But let's talk about Final Destination 1 first. And let's talk about the five deaths that death claims after the initial kind of death sequence uh, at the beginning of the film. The first one is Devin Sawa's best friend. What did you call him? Splooter? Splooter. Yeah, Splooter. Yeah, he's a sex pest. He's a pervert. He's he's taking a shit. He slips on some water. He gets choked out by clothesline in his bathtub. Number two, a woman who hates uh, Devon Sawa. I forget all of their names again. I think the girlfriend of Car- Carter. Carter, yeah. I don't Carter's know. Carter's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. yeah walks into the street and gets pancaked by a speeding bus in their very sleepy town uh, in the middle of noon. That was like (laughs) noon on a Sunday. Uh, (laughs) That was a really good bus slam though. Right. That was like one of my favorites. It's like the first. It's actually the, I think the first. It's really Um, good. It's like a really solid one. Alias may have predated it. I can't tell, but JJ Abrams, that's like, that's his gift to the world is the suddenly a bus. Um, Three, the teacher who stepped off the plane with the students is cooking dinner at home. Some water gets into a computer, which explodes into her (laughs) neck. And if that's not enough, uh, you know, when she tries to get a towel off the counter, a knife stabs her in the stomach. Still not enough. Uh, Death is unhappy. So death blows up the house. Um, Number four, the dumbest of the friends, uh, Stifler, or the dumbest of the friends, Carter, rather, I should say, because he's the one who stops the car in the train tracks yeah. to prove a point. Yeah, the guy from the um, 50s. He's uh, Seatbelts fail, et cetera. We have a little bit of, uh, you know, sequence building there. But he escapes. Uh, Devon Sawa, like, grabs him, pulls him out. However, the train picks up some of the car's debris and slices Stifler's head off. Um, and the last, at the end of the movie, after the three people who survived the movie, you think... Uh, have avoided death 
their uh, a sign collapses at their at, at an outdoor uh, ca- cafe that they're all drinking at for some reason and it tries to kill uh our main character but it skips but he dodges it which you can do apparently and uh because it skips him the sign swings back and kills his asshole friend carter um and that's only important in that the skipping thing is a thing like if you if death has decided i tried and i failed I'm going to go on to the next one. Yeah, that's which is real weird. That's that and why the premonitions are happening are the two yeah. least clear things about the film and the film doesn't feel right. any need to explain that to you. Right. So those are the deaths. We did it. Um I want to categorize these five deaths in kind of the same way that you did earlier. Yeah, um yeah. and there's a that all the stuff that I just talked about is not the entirety of the movie. There's like near misses that happen during the climax of the film. I'll get into those later. Uh, but I want to categorize these five deaths into two types of deaths directorially. And by that, I mean the shot approach and the sequence building done by the film to make the audience follow a thread of deaths, manipulations that culminate culminate in a death or a near death sequence. <clears throat> that is one type of death. The that's other. That's that one is the one that I feel like we always associate with Final Destination. That's interesting uh, because yeah, for example, the first death, the choking in the bathtub, uh, that is what that 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 is how they do that death. It's like it follows a shot of the water, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the teacher cooking dinner does, but the bus, the train tracks, and the sign, the other three deaths, they do not. So when I say there's two types of deaths there's the things that do the rube goldberg machine and there's the ones that don't the ones that are kind of not that they're just happen um it's usually just an insert shot of hey looky here there's a piece of debris wobbling uh and you know so i'm you get what i'm saying you contrast with that the step-by-step of how death is going to turn something on or make you slip and we're kind of following that machine um, that those are the two types of deaths in all of the f- final destination franchises. Um, yeah. And sometimes they'll do like the faints. Yeah. Like, so like, it, like I think, and I think this falls into your doesn't, doesn't do the Rube Goldberg thing. So like Devin saw, will get like a premonition about like, for instance, the car one that, uh, the, the bus one or whatever that hits, uh, Carter's girlfriend. So then you get mm-hmm. this weird, full sequence where Carter's driving like a maniac and you keep thinking any moment this car is going to kill one of the people. And then it doesn't, it doesn't do that. Instead, it's a total out of left field, like right murder, which is not a Rube Goldberg murder. It's more like then here's the Rube Goldberg piece. Surprise. We didn't do that. It's a different thing altogether. You know what I mean? Like it's a left field thing, uh, which is really different than a Rube Goldberg decision. Right. One of them is Rube Goldberg building a system, right? Like we're building a system that eventually, like a trap that springs. And the other one's like they're trying to deke you on a field like you're playing football with them or something. And they're trying to juke you. Yeah, it's a subversion. Yes. Um, I want to break down the first death first sure, before sure. we get into that. Uh, because I think that they're, I just want to tell you what I'm talking about if you really don't remember the film or you even haven't seen the film. Because uh, it sets up the film's logic in an interesting way, being the first death right it does a bunch of things that the rest of the deaths in like don't do and to me is pretty much the only in practice version of how death operates in the franchise uh so 
the director of this film, James Wong, does the following. One, the sex pest is, you know, taking a dump. We get a shot of water starting to drip on the floor. Yep. Then two, we get later, and this is intercut with a bunch of stuff, but I'm just bearing down what the shots of the sequence are, what makes you feel tension. Uh, he's now shaving. He cuts himself, uh, which is a little, you know, fake out, you know, like we need to see blood, I guess. Meanwhile, the water starts to creep toward his bare feet. Three, he sees like a black cloud behind him, marking him for death. Yeah. Like it's 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 like a foreshadowing yeah. signal post. So we go, oh shit, death actually has like a corporeal form. Four, he plugs in a radio which plays John Denver, which of course makes him think about dead airplanes. So it quickly, like he unplugs it. Five, he walks away from the sink towards the tub. He just avoids the water, even though he doesn't know it's there. But in a really kind of cool shot, frankly, one of my favorite shots in the whole thing, the water actually changes direction toward him as if it's like grasping for him. Did you notice this? I mean, absolutely. The water. Yeah, it's like kind of the point of that shot. It also sucks back down after he dies, which is the most bizarre thing that happens in that whole sequence. Well, that's my number seven. Number six, we follow with the close-up shot again. Uh, The water going towards his feet. This time they hit their mark. He slips, knocks open an open shampoo onto the tub. His feet are slippery. The clothesline wraps around his neck. He can't get himself out of the tub. Bingo, bango. And number seven, as you mentioned, in a singular move, actually, for the franchise, the water slurps back into the grout at the bottom of the toilet, which is weird because never again in the entire franchise... In this film and in the rest of the movies, death covers his tracks. It's kind of hilarious because, like, what is death worried about? <laughs> right? Like, oh, I got away with it this time. <laughs> like, is there going to be a detective knocking on death's door saying, like, where were you? <laughs> like, I don't understand why he's covering his tracks. It's fine if they're like, oh, he's, in fact, it's more questions of, like, how did he slip? Well, I don't see any water, so that's weird. Like, I guess he didn't slip on water. I mean, so, like, is that a mistake to you? Is that a mistake that they did that? It's stupid. It's very it's stupid. It's definitely stupid. It's very so. It, but it also, like, it really opens the door for a it whole opens the door. bunch of that's, other things. Yeah. Yeah. I think what the reason I kind of broke this down is that, like, look at the occupation. Why is this unique? Well, this sequence, as well as the teacher's death, which is the third, if you remember, they both pay a lot of attention to the minutia of small gestures that kind of add up relative to like, what is death? What does death want? How does death operate? And for the most part, what we get, get from these sequences is it's usually his methodology is geographical consequence. It's he combines unlike terms like a, shampoo bottle that will make their feet slippery and water, which will make them fall into a tub. Yeah. Um, It really feels, or the fact that there's a clothesline there. It really feels like death wants us to be impressed with the things that he or it or she strung together to make this murder happen. Yeah. Look what I did. Kind of (laughs) death is kind of proud 
of yeah, itself. You an know, artist. Is, uh, yeah, it's the death glow up. Um, <laughs> it's like, well, I mean, it's really funny to me because like this movie starts on the premise these people should have all died in a plane crash. <laughs> they don't, mm-hmm. right? So then death's like, I'm gonna do something special I'm for these assholes. <laughs> yeah, like, they're I'm gonna put cook up something so fantastic. Mm, yeah, yep, it's really dumb. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and they um. So like yeah, the second death is getting pancaked <laughs> by a bus at noon on the Sunday, but the third death does a lot of the same as the first death. We see the teacher. Uh, she we see drip coming from like drip of uh, tea coming from her coffee mug. It fractures because the tea is too hot, and then she like pours in cold water, and it like creates a little you know fracture there. Now the drips. As she's walking by reading something, she, it, the drips get into the computer. We cut into the computer, sparks fly, and we believe, because it's the year 2000, <laughs> that computers will just explode and throw glass into your neck. Uh, but the the underlying point is that uh, the occupation of the moments are on the details, right? It's like camera will follow these details. Drip, 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 computer, spark explode it's not shock it's not a jump scare it's not even a surprise to us it's this other thing that we typically call suspense and i talk a little a lot about this and i like suspense i think suspense and building sequences is cool um, it's fun in a horror film too because it's like yeah like yeah. horror films don't use what you're defining as suspense that often you know what I mean? Like, uh, no, I think that uh, most of the forgettable parts of movies, uh, of like slasher films and stuff, are the ones where like, and he just he's he was there though he was like in the, right. he was in the cabinet right, 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 right. and he came out and he oh he did the knife thing again he got him with the knife uh, and it's like ah oh, yes sweet release <laughs> another teen has bit the dust <laughs> uh, it's just like I don't know it's fine. Um, I will go into some of the spectacular deaths. I'm not entirely against the sensationalism of gore. I don't want to be the kind of guy who's like, oh, I love this sequence building. Oh, I'm so smart. But you dum-dums, <laughs> you love the slicey slicey. So go fuck yourself. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Uh, <laughs> but, it, but it like death does... I mean, again, like, I feel like death is kind of saying that, right? That's what I'm trying to like a, a little bit. I think, like, I think just like death. So, so let's, yeah. let's, that's what, that's why we're having an honest conversation about final destination. Adam. Right. Uh, I want to talk a little, okay. So the third death does, uh, the only other thing you can do with this system And this might be a hard, like, maybe this is an easy concept for some. It might be a harder concept for others. When I talk about systems in film, I, and in, in this particular case, I'm talking about the sequential system that they're building this expectation. Once you've seen it once the first death, you now think this is how death operates, right? So when I say there's now a system in your mind, there's an expectation is really what I mean. And so other than doing it time and time and time again, where your expectation is set up and you're like, oh, it's the thing I, I'm, I'm looking for, you know, 
like it's the procedure, it's the protocol, you know, like in sports, it's like, okay, it's the pitcher winds up and he throws the ball and then the batter hits it or he doesn't, you know, it's this expectation, right? It's just, if I did it time and time again, that would get boring, right? So the third death, they're, they're even thinking ahead of like the audience because they gotta, the filmmakers are like, okay, so we already got to subvert this because we have to deal with the expectation of the audience because this is the second time we're doing this type of sequence. So the way they do this is you think it's going to be like a water-based explosion by in the computer that gets her, but no, yeah, it did hit her, but she actually is fine. In the end, it's a knife, uh, which had nothing to do with the computer stuff that we built and spent like a minute to two minutes building. So it's still a Rube Goldberg machine because one thing leads to another, but it kind of pushes your expectation to different spots. It's kind of like what you were saying when you were like, it's, it, it had to zag and when you're expecting a zig, right? It's, it's a system. You have an expectation. Does this make uh, sense? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it, yeah, because if they just if he just kept doing the same sequence essentially as what happened to Spluter, you're not interested. Then you just be watching a Rube Goldberg. That's machine. right, and you're not interested in it because it's inescapable, right? Like it like, is f- fascinating sometimes because like, I do watch Rube Goldberg machines, but it's not dramatic. You're me right. too, but like for it to be a movie. Death has to be sort of personified and they have to sort of like, they have to be sort of like wrestling, if you will, with death. Like there has to be the ability to trick death and for death to trick you, you know, like both, both right. things have to happen. Uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, it, it does make sense what you're saying. So once again, to just kind of show the parallel or you know, the difference between rather, I should say about the other types of deaths, the other types of deaths in the movies, it's all surprise, right? Uh, and we kind of see this time and time again with most slasher movies. In fact, it might be the only two types of deaths in any slasher movie one could argue. But I'm here just to talk about humble Final Destination. <laughs> Maybe it has an insert here, there, or uh, here or there, or it builds a little bit of expectation, like a wobbling piece of debris. But in the end, it's a bus out of nowhere, a metal, you know, fucking thing slicing your head off out of nowhere, a sign coming out of nowhere there's no build-up there's no expectation to play with it's just monumentally cool to look at and memorable for the fact that it's like oh shit he's his head just came off and i don't want like again i don't want to take away that this became the hallmark of the series right the best opener to all these movies and i'm i'm trying i'm eager to test the do this litmus um litmus test on you okay because you said you did see the second years, one. Like 20 years ago, but yeah. If I were to say Final Destination, and you just watched Final Destination right. 1, what's the most memorable death in all of the franchise? You might say the log death? Yeah, I remember the log yes? death. Yes. yes. Yeah, you do. It's probably it's definitely up there. I think it's probably the most memorable death of the series because it's the coolest con- concept for a death. And there's no lead up to that. Uh, so... I only say this because we are definitely, as an audience, we're signing up for kind of half clever, but mostly visually stimulating gore fests, right? Um, so any, I do want to make a point that anyone could do that directing work. Like, as I mentioned, systems, you could have directed nothing. You could still build a sequence of images where 
like because you once you've seen one you've seen them all you put the person in a frame and then you have something off frame like jump out at them that like splats them or explodes their face off or whatever right yes like that's not hard to direct uh i'm willing to say that people who have not directed a film could imagine a sequence of images like that whether it works that's that's fine i think any any fucking person could do it but that's just fair enough so that's that's fine that's fine i you know that's fine uh my point mainly is that one is harder to do. Yeah. Uh, and I think that I'll get no pushback in terms of like the sequential Rube Goldberg machine is it's a tension. You're playing with tension of shot duration, shot length, what the order of the shots are, what's the content of the shots. There's just a lot going, going on yeah. more to play with. It's also a different question than a lot of like a lot of horror films when they do something like this. Uh, mm-hmm. It's sort of a dance of like, will the person notice it or not? Like, th- like that's that's how you see this done in most horror movies. In this movie, it's never about will the person notice it or not. It's it's really a different question, which is sort of like, what will the machine actually be? You know what I mean? Like, like yes, what what um, will the end result? That's be? right. That's a good distinction to make because suspense usually deals with. Um, the expectation of like, will the person see the thing in time? Yes. And, um, and for us, it definitely, but suspense also has this aspect of dramatic irony with the audience as a refresher, dramatic irony, meaning us as the audience know what is happening, but the people uh, on screen do right. not. So I think that that's what you're talking yeah. about is that dramatic irony. And I think that uh, is use- necessary for suspense building. Um, I think of touch of evil with the bomb in the car, yeah, you know, all that. Absolutely. Um, here's, here's kind of, I'm getting closer to the bottom line, which is that I do once again, as I always do on the show, want to attest that artisans will always try to challenge subvert and like break their toys. I always hand it to groups of people working on a sequel because that's a terrible thing to do. And I tr- and they do it and try not to give us more of the same. Trying to not do something, though, is a problem sometimes. You can only, in this case, you can only break your system. And by system, once again, I mean like this editorial thread of shots that is meant to build suspense for an unexpected or, in this case, expected outcome. Uh, a few times before there's just nothing left. Like you just broke it too much. Like there's no more subversion to be had, you know, like, so, or the other way, uh, you still need the system to be intact mentally for the audience for them. Or it's no longer a thing to, you're not getting the expectation. Yeah. Because the audience won't know that you're breaking the system if there is no system. Right. So, even though I'll say things like, I think it's better to do the system building. It still doesn't get around the problem with like a franchise where that's going to get old too. Just because you thought of a clever like sequence doesn't mean that that system, that, that expectation audiences are still going to get ahead of you very quickly. In fact, we're the audience now at this point is, I think it was Hitchcock who said like, I'd hate to make films for an audience in a hundred years because they'd know all my tricks. 
guy was very aware that he was working in a medium and in specifically horror where expectation is everything. Um, and I think that that's what the people who make final destination, you know, for better, or for worse, they're, you know, do, they're doing their best over here. They know what the toys are. The directors know what pieces they have to build the thing is with the writers are doing the thing the best they can to try to subvert rules that they've set. And other people have set in previous iterations of the series. And they're like, I'm going to go this other way. And so they kind of decided historically, when we look back at final destination, let's just splatter everything with blood that rules. Let's just keep doing it. Right. Yeah. I don't think that they, this is not a franchise that was ever interested in saying more than, here's the cool idea the writers came up with, right? Yeah, it's like the one unique thing that Final Destination had going for it. And they but it, were going to learn that they kind of abandoned well, of it. Of course they did. This because they have to. Of How long can did. it work? Yeah. I mean, you know. Uh, That's what I'm saying. That, I mean, isn't that, our, so, isn't that our complaint about Star Wars at this point, is that they won't abandon it? You know, it's like, like right. please, can yeah. we move on from That's this? very true. Uh, yeah. So the franchise actually became something else where it's like, uh, like I may once again be the weird sicko who wants more Rube Goldberg machines, but uh, like I want to see the water drip and I want to see them slip on the thing and yeah, cause a tanning bed to burn their faces off or whatever down the line. But like, honestly, it is the only thing that Final Destination had versus spectacular kills like a fence, like just having a person which is happens i think in the second one as well yeah um, they're like final destination has carved out a space where if they don't want to do the cool like setting up a murder thing like if they're tired of that then their job is what's the most outrageous thing you can do to a human body you know what i mean like like how can you what's a what's right. a new way to like to maim or destroy a human body Exactly. And that's kind of what they went with. Um, I do want to talk about like these near misses in the climax because these themselves are the, these are the biggest subversions of the sets setups that we expect because like it's in the name, they near misses like they, they, uh, they don't die. That's the biggest subversion you can do in a horror movie. Right. That is basically, if you you don't die, you didn't do it. The expectation is the death's going to win and they don't. Uh, so there's a few times they do this kind of like pre-death ritual sequence building near the climax. And it's pretty typical horror section. Like when we think of horror movies in general, at the end of act two and the beginning of act three, no one dies typically. And this is because you want to lure your audience into a false sense of security that preempts us for the big finale. Um, there's a scene with uh, Devon Sawa who's trying to death proof his house, I guess. And we, that's kind of my expectation or that's my read of it. He's trying to see if he can live with like the death disease. And, uh, I, I just breaking down that sequence, like wind knocks over da- down a trash trash bag, a can rolls out of the trash bag and hits a fishing rod. The line catches a closet door handle opening it. And a pickaxe slams halfway through the door because apparently opening it caused the pickaxe to, you know, come raining down. And, uh, you know, that sequence ends with Devon Sawa going, uh, what, what, (laughs) uh, you, you, you tried again, death, but I got you, you motherfucker, Uh, which is kind of a subversion. He beat death at his own game. He did. I kind of appreciated this moment in the movie or like around this time. Cause I started to ask the question as I'm sure you did too. Like, what are they even living for at this point? 
You're, like this guy's. Yeah, you know it's finale. You know, yeah, it's this over. Li- his life is a nightmare, and the movie was actually a little ahead of me because like Carter's suicide attempt, I thought was like, oh yeah, that's a person actually investigating that question. Like, why bother yeah, with they're, this? They're, they're like, why bother? Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> I appreciated that. Please, anything for another second of sweet, sweet life. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then there's the finale, right? The climax, right? And that's at Ali Larder's house, right? Um, lightning strikes a transformer, causes a loose live wire uh, that causes because she's into art making <laughs> metal metal art. It's just so it's just Her. so like it makes me tired because it's just like what is and you horror movie character? What's your interest? Well, I love sharp things in garages. Hmm. I wonder if we'll come back to that set piece. I love. Uh, so she makes <laughs> she she crafts metal art pieces. Who gives a fuck? It's fucking. I mean, I cares? thought that um, talent was astounding to give a character. Like this woman sure, can exactly. weld on her own. She's welding abstract just, art in her garage yeah. with no fucking parents. Yeah, Who is this woman? I just, look, I'm gonna finish the episode, but it's the kind of stuff that makes me just want to quit podcasting <laughs> i'm just gonna tell you up front i don't like it i don't like that ali cart larder's fucking characters make spinning art like metal wheels of death and that's her thing uh but she has them in her front yard and after all the lightning strike and the transformer the metal pipes of the art piece almost kill her because they it gets flung at her uh we also see then uh, it gets flung again because there's wind apparently. So now we're just like abandoning. Well, the wind. <laughs> we're just like now it's windy. The, the wind is. I'll say this <laughs> lightning in strike. defense of the movie. The wind okay. is the sort of precursor several times to death showing up. True, like a little breeze true. shows up, but enough then... to move like metal poles. Oh no, it's, to hit a. Gra- it's fucking stupid. Yeah. It's a hundred percent stupid. Like it's a hundred percent stupid, yeah, yeah. and so it hits this above ground pool, which punctures it and starts to spill water. So you know it means business because all three of the sequences that I talked about, water yeah. is getting involved. Water, the real killer. <laughs> so yeah. Now we know someone's probably gonna die. Uh, again, a subversion because no one dies at the end of the climax. The pool pops, and now we have water and electricity all over the place. Allie Larder's staying there because her dog won't stop barking. She's like grabbing the dogs. And uh, right before she's electrocuted uh, by the water splash, she jumps on a trellis. And now the wire is just directly attacking her as she repels around the outside of her home. Uh, she breaks a window to get into an upstairs bedroom. And my favorite part. The wire literally like just like angry. So it hits an exterior wire, basically shorting the house. Like it's as if death is like, fuck, (laughs) I'm angry. You got away. So I'm going to hit your house with wire and like it works. It it short circuits the house. Uh, (laughs) Meanwhile, this is intercut with Devin, uh, Devon Sawa. uh, Keep, you know, uh, who's like nearby. He's like running away from the, you know, he's running in a forest. He's running away from the FBI because they think that he blew up his teacher's house in his plane because he was at both the things. And they're like, what the fuck is this? Because obviously like something's up and he's running. This is also hilarious to me. He's running in the forest and he falls down a ravine. That's the Rube Goldberg machine right there, baby. He just falls. Uh, He catches himself before a tree root stabs him in the face. Epically. So this is. 
we see death's machinations employed. A tree is hit by lightning nearby and it falls on him, forces his face into some mud and he starts to suffocate. But at the last second, the sequence builds and get, he get, he gets out somehow, <laughs> you know, like it's, they didn't do much either for that one. It's not like he, uh, he fought deaths. Like, here's what I would have done. Like, he's got to fight death at his own game. So maybe he did a little Rube Goldberg machine of his own and he got out. <laughs> uh, but no, that's not how they're doing it. Uh, so back at the house, because yeah. uh, he like kind of arrives uh, at the house and now we're, we're all together. Uh, Ali Larder gets in her car. The wire's still after her. But she can't open the garage door because, you know, all the electricity is bad in the house or whatever. So she just backs up through the door, right? This breaks the garage door mechanism, which has that big, long pipe, you know, kind of thing. And it dislodges from the ceiling and it just is like a huge spear into the car. Again, death trying to kill. Um, Apparently things are all shaking. Uh, I think it's the more of the camera to give us the intention, but apparently there's earthquakes because turpentine falls off a work cart. Uh, so we see, okay, this is, they're now building a thing. More shaking happens and her driving, uh, causes another art piece with an ax on the top of it. I'll, I'll add. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. So she just made an art piece that just has an ax right. on it and it just falls and bursts open the turpentine. Uh, or turpentine. How do you say that? I, I, I think know. either turpentine. are acceptable. Sort of like Devin and Devon. And Sawa yeah, or yeah. Sawa. Uh, <laughs> the uh, Sawa. Yeah. The wire is now basically on the top of the hood of the car at this point, just flapping around. Yeah. De- Death is apparently can't break that barrier, even though it can cause lightning bolts. I don't know. Uh, Devon Sawa takes a shovel to the wire, but flings it. Uh, at a like a staining oxygen tank because he like f- his fingers slip I guess and that rips open the top and it causes it to roll under the car the wire hits the turpentine turpentine which ignites the oxygen now the car is on fire lastly Sawa grabs the wire gets electrocuted but he doesn't die that was that's weird. the other thing at the end of this movie really weird death is like apparently one. Uh, but death is also like didn't kill him and he's apparently happy with this. I, I, I don't see the point. Uh, but, you know, here we are. This is Final Destination. I'm counting four sequences is my point uh, that are including the climax, which is like a larger, like almost 10 minute sequence that are the suspense Rube Goldberg machine. Right. But three sequences in the first movie, if we even want to call them that, are the sudden unexpected deaths. So it's about half and a half between the two mostly favoring the uh the suspense machine right yeah but a lot of i mean do you agree that the sudden unexpected deaths are mostly zags off of a rube goldberg machine that didn't work because like when i think about it, like there's an off-screen there's well, an off-screen I'll g- I'll g- like you could have with camera like well I, no sequence, no i like see not. i i think this is actually describing directing not working a little bit but like again, like the bus killing, right? With of uh, of Carter's girlfriend. So like in that sequence, we get a vision of like the car swiping and hitting somebody, right? Like he gets a vision of that, mm-hmm. and then we we're watching Carter nearly kill three or four people with his insane driving for reasons that are oh. unclear, and we think Carter's going to get hit 
a bunch of times. And then I want to say even Devin gets into the intersection at some point, doesn't get hit, and then the scene subsides, and we think, oh, it didn't happen, and then the girlfriend gets hit by a bus from out of nowhere. So the idea being, like, we did the Rube Goldberg machine of tension, right, where it's like, oh, is it going to, like, here, like, which, how is the car going to kill somebody? And then it turned out, nope, it was this other in my left hand all along kind of thing. And there's another one, like I think the one with Stifler is like mm. that too, where like the car is parked in front of the train and we're supposed to be like, oh my God, the train, somebody's going to get caught in this car and the train's going to kill one of them. And there's then, a sequential nature right, to it. It's yeah. like It's like they both share in common that the Rube Goldberg machine doesn't end up killing anybody. So we disassociate mm-hmm. the tension that came before it with the machine, yes. which is like, I don't know yeah. if... So like I guess de- like so you're right the death is sudden and unexpected, but they were still trying to say that it was connected to this suspense sequence. But in the end, they didn't build right, the sequence, right. and that's my distinction. Right. And I think you're right about that. Uh, I just wanted to like clarify that mm-hmm. because that way, if somebody was like listening to the episode, they're like, well, "Wait a minute, they are doing the suspense thing." Yeah, but the suspense machine didn't work. It's like work. an insert, yeah. though. It's like an insert they usually right. do. Like, where it's like, oh, yeah, incidentally, there's a thing on the ground, and it's going to flap yeah, right at you. That's right. Or, with the bus, the only preemptive we get is that he has a premonition, and he sees in the glass, like, a bus drive by, and he goes, huh, huh there wasn't a bus. And he's like, then we realize it's too early for him to have that realization in the movie that he's like, oh, I'm seeing visions again. Uh, but... <clears throat> She just gets, again, pancaked at noon on a Sunday. Right, right. So, she doesn't get her own sequence. She doesn't get a uh, sequence. Like, like, and so in that respect, again, that's death trying to zag when we expected death, death to zig, right? Here's my working theory. Yeah. That the suspense machine and the memorable insta-kills, is I guess what I'll call yeah. them, because they're just less of the machine, are both hard to keep interesting, Obviously, one's clearly better in my mind. And I'm not taking away again from like, oh, his face got to glove. That's really cool. Um, but if you do a bit of homework, you start to see this kind of downward trend with these movies. In terms of the Rube Goldberg machine sequences, I think Final Destination 2 has only one or two instead of four. Final Destination 3 has one and a half, really. Final Destination 3 is a goddamn mess. Has maybe yeah, one. Yeah, if yeah, yeah, yeah. Because at this point in the series, death doesn't even give a fuck. <laughs> you know, like, like, no, I'm dead serious. It is like they I wish it was I wish they made it a comedy because it's fucking it's pretty hilarious. close to a comedy uh, already. The, the the third one has the tanning bed kill, right. which you haven't right. seen. So I've you don't know. But it. for our audience, uh, you know, like there's not a it does have a procedural sequence of events that lead to the burning of these two naked women. But like. It's not like a stick hits a knob or anything. Death just turns on the tanning beds and literally turns them up to 11 for no oh, wow. reason. Like he's just, ah, yeah, too crispy. You know, like it's not even doing stuff. It's just like, yeah, I'm just, oh, yeah, the electronics. It's as if. Um, <laughs> it's like giving him cancer. Know, in this sequence, like if- <laughs> in the third one, in the, or in the third sequence of the first film. Uh, it's as if like, you know, when the, uh, the computer explodes, they didn't do the water part. Uh, they just had a random computer explode because stuff like that is happening at this point in this franchise. Uh, he's death is basically just cutting. Their throats <laughs> it's at this like point. the only uh, key, the only yeah. key ingredient is that it has to be an accident. 
Like, like you can. Yeah, it has to look like an accident from an outside right, perspective. Because like, otherwise, yeah. it's like they just get cancer. <laughs> it's just a movie of a bunch of people getting yeah. cancer, and that's it. Uh, Final Destination Four is like a nightmare. Yeah, yeah okay. Like even worse, uh, though. Its first death is a white supremacist, so you know it gets points for that. Uh, okay. But yeah, it's basically a blender at this point. Uh, you put people in, you turn the knob. And they really don't care about the machinations of death anymore. It's just look at the blood, you vultures. Um, That's, but a lot of horror movies are that. I think all slasher movies and all slasher franchises specifically deal with this problem. Um, maybe all sequels. Uh, once you get like past two, you start to run out of ideas, right? So I, I just I kind of want to contest that it is hard. Are all argue they got more movies out of building? I I think they would have gotten more movies, good movies, out of building the sequence bit more. But I'm sure I'm wrong about that because it's at the same time it's it's just about money, and you never really bet against the bloodlust market, and that's and that's what these movies gave. You know, uh, I just think it's interesting to look at death like as a character. And like covering his tracks or and sucking up the water back in the toilet in the first kill of the movie, <laughs> the literally the second kill they abandoned the machinations. So you know, so you're the chiding bus. them. You're chiding them. You're, you're saying a little. I, I just I, I read the original X Files teleplay, and that's the first death that is not scripted in that. I film. see. Um, so it's like they had this idea. The creator of the you know Final Destination series had an idea, realized that there was like only a few de- ways to break the system and only a few ways to build convincingly the uh, Rube Goldberg machine, and then just kind of abandon it. And that's the story of Final Destination. That's kind of why it changed halfway through, and also why we were like, okay, Final Destination. Now retroactively, when I think about it, it's about the cool getting cut in half, you know, degloving their face. Yeah. The, the, because that's what it came to be. That's what it, well, because otherwise it's not a, it, it's not a death that belongs in a movie. Like I just made, like, again, you wouldn't watch a movie where one of these characters got cancer and that was the end of their story. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like you wouldn't watch it. It's like, what? <laughs> like, that's not a movie death. It has to be some tragic, ridiculous disfigurement. And I think what Tony Todd's really saying there is like, Look, I mean, how many of these machines you want me to build, man? You get the idea, you know, yeah, like, like yada yada, like yada yada yada. You think Tony Todd's death? I thought he was just a guy who like knew about death and he's like cool with it. He's a mortician. He's like, no, nah, me and Death Talk. You know, we have you know one sided conversations. He was alone really creepy. The fact that nobody asked a single question uh, of him yeah. was like, like I just couldn't imagine these kids taking that guy at his word. You know what I mean? Like, there's just no world yeah, no, where they would do that. Yeah, he's really a. Uh, he's so creepy. I love it. I love yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, I love I him love too. Him. He's so good. But like, he's, he's so literally good. like he's literally he pulls a like a like a syringe or something out of the neck of Spluter, and he like laughs about yeah. it while the blood gushes out, and then he's like explaining how death works to them, and they they gotta be like, please just let us out, sir. You know, like, yeah, he's laughing while he's saying, "You don't fuck with death," <laughs> and he's pulling, and he's like just. Defacing the the friend's yeah. corpse, right? In Please front of let him. us go home. Yeah, it's pretty morbid. Uh, it's how I expect. It's how I would like my mortician to be. 
<laughs> really like, disrespectful. Like a creepy underworld figure. <laughs> no, just disrespectful in general. Like I want, like I want my mortician to but make me. Is that so he's wrong? Literally, he's really like a prophet for death down there. You know, like he like, sure whatever he gets yeah, him guess. off too. Right. Fair you know? enough. I, Point is, I'm getting mine, which is being dead on the table, being disrespected. Uh, that's serious what I'm question. Into. Serious uh, question. Yeah. If if they did a sixth final destination and it was just Tony Todd planning all these murders, serious? <laughs> he's, I don't think he's. The I know murderer. he's not. I know he's not. But if they did that and they called it final destination. Are you are you upset about that? Are you upset about that? No, because I don't give a shit. Right. Like I don't care what Final Destination does at this point. So yeah, that that sounds like a chocolate and peanut butter to me. Let's get some more Tony Todd and some dead teens. Right. That, <laughs> like that's <laughs> those are the two elements, baby. Yeah, I mean, okay, yeah, because I guess that's what Final Destination landed on, right? Like, because to me. The way yeah. the reason to watch Final Destination is is writing. Writing is the reason to watch it. You know, like uh, like did they come up with something I think cool? That the sequence stuff. The sequence stuff is really cool. Oh no, like, I, it's I, fun to watch. I agree. Right? I, but what I mean by that is that they came up with something creative to happen to the kids. That's what I mean yes, by writing. Yes. Like it has to be executed well. I completely agree with that. And this film was fine. The directing was fine. Yeah. Uh. But, like, it, you're really going to see, like, okay, what'd they come up with? And I do remember the log truck because that was creative. You know? Yeah, I think that this is the purest version of what Final Destination is, but it's not the best Final Destination. N- and nor is it... I think the second one is the best Final Destination, and I think that the second one is a digression from what the original was trying to do. Like, they found, oh, it's kind of like the sophomore album. We found out what you guys like about us, and we we we're playing our hits now, um, and that's what two was right. And only in this case, the sophomore album is really good instead of a bad follow up. Right. I mean, it's okay. Well, I mean, like, the yeah. log. Everyone thinks it's a lot better than it actually is because the log shit is spectacular. It's awesome. It's fun to even rewatching it. You go like, I fucking remember that shot my entire life. Um, but then you watch the rest of the movie, and you're like, yeah, it's fine. They that I think the second one also has the uh, the the um the piece of glass that just <laughs> pancakes the guy. <laughs> it's also one of the more memorable deaths, just because you're like, oh, a big plane of glass falls from like they're lifting it and installing it in like a window or whatever on a like a skyscraper, falls right on a dude, just like the bus. See, I. Just- Looking at a dude, talking, having a good time, being <laughs> all alive, on. and then out of the top of frame, a big plane of glass sure. shatters and just pulverizes his entire See, body. My critique of this movie, and I know that this may sound tedious, but I really believe this. My critique is that like they're they don't violate any sort of like natural law that would cause the universe to need to balance itself with their deaths. Right, it's just like a fuck up of death. Right, and that makes it because he silly. got too into showing a kid, like his plan. Like honestly, this is on all right. On death. Yeah, death is a why are you showing why death you showing is like everybody? is like Joe Pesci in Home Alone or something. You know what I mean? Like just can't quite get it right. Ah, there's kids. You know, like uh, 
Well, he's, it's like he's drunk and he's like telling, he's just talking loudly at the bar. Like, I'm going to rob this place. Right. <laughs> and see, like, I feel like this move, I mean, I don't want it to go this direction because I like that it's not supernatural or like I want it to not be supernatural. Like, I'm, right. I'm interested in the idea that like somehow this guy accidentally cheats death through like a really appointed decision, you know? Uh, and then, and like, that's the premise is that like, once you get sort of outside the universe, if you will, like the universe needs to balance itself with your death and the, you'll never have peace. And so he's right. actually a death sentence to everybody else. Like, I, I guess nobody, who cares what I want? I, but I like, I got, I found myself frustrated with like the seemingly arbitrariness of it all. Cause it did seem arbitrary, right? Like. I think that's that's kind of a problem with like you don't typically like slasher movies. No, I like right? them okay. <clears throat> I like I, I find them fun. Yeah, but like the the I find that that's indicative of all slasher movies is like you what you pop in a Jason, right? You know, only one of them's coming out of that that part, alive, right? And yeah. you can probably guess right, which of course. One. And it does. It's not. It's not that interesting to you who it is really. Uh, you're there for the deaths. Yeah, I guess that's really the problem with all slasher films is that you're ultimately there for the deaths. Uh, yeah, I, so there's no building of character for the, like, the people who will die I, that is really enough. Unless it's a, and I still contend that this is some of the best horror films uh, and some of the ones that have yet to be made are ones that really do build the character of, like, the slasher and, uh, or not of the slasher, but of the characters who are usually just the, like, fucking just... The, the the conveyor belt of mayhem that you know that they're just going to be pieces of meat uh if you really build that out it becomes super horrifying when they have to die i i, uh, I thought, see like well, i want to go back to it follows uh which we've discussed yeah. on the show see like i think it follows is an example of kind of the same principle here where like mm-hmm. there's a machine that's going to kill a person who violates these on, rules yeah. And the fact that they understand the machine and have to figure out how to overcome the machine is actually what's interesting about it. And I feel like that slight twist, like that slight change to Final Destination would improve it. It like Because they're kind of doing that, right? But they're doing it for like dumb magical reasons that you don't connect to. Because like, like I was actually interested in the idea of like Devin Sawa trying to live alone in a cabin that was like, but he was basically always at the, at the razor's edge of a death trap. That's an interesting Final Destination movie, right? Where it's like I've come up with It's a different movie. It's not a Final Destination uh, movie. It could be. I mean, because again, how many of these are you gonna do? Right? Like you're saying. They abandon the formula, right? And my thought is, well, then why don't they fix the formula so that there's a sort of repeatability to it, right? It's sort of like Nightmare on Elm Street. There's a certain set of prerequisites before there can be a Freddy, right? And those prerequisites are there has to be a violation in the town and it has to be children in the, in their sleep, right? Isn't that the key ingredients? Mm-hmm. See, Final Destination, you don't know why these kids violated death. There's no reason for them to have, right? Like they didn't they didn't summon a Ouija yeah. board spirit. They didn't like, you know, uh, they didn't have sex with the wrong person. or well, like, you, you know what I mean? But that that's the thing is like the... Like, that's what slasher movies kind of, their origin was not in, like, their origin was a reaction to the horror movies of the old, where there was a neoclassical version of justice, where, like, 
you are uncouth, therefore you shall right, right. die. There's a sin. Uh, right. It's like they were they were kind of like Friday the 13th was almost making like a contestation against the idea of like, oh, just because these teens are fucking, that means they need to die. That's well, kind of stupid. I'm not, like, I, I believe that. I, the directors basically said the same thing. They'd use the trope as a kind of like way to leg up on the, you know, playing, playing with it, subverting it. Um, now they didn't really go as far as to like have them kill Jason. Cause Hey, we're here to, you know, they knew what the franchise was based around, but <clears throat> the very concept of horror to me started with that, uh, deconstruction, uh, which the, you're what? talking about, like, do they deserve it? These kids? No, that's I, the whole I, point. It's, They're it's, just getting it. That's why it's horrifying. not, a, I'm not even interested in deserve it in a justice sense. So like, we're I, like, I don't want to like get attached to, uh, the 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 moral component of it. I have that's not it to me. That mm-hmm. that doesn't matter to me. Got it. What I I'm using it as an example. You want to no, just I, an yes. I want a I want there to be, and I'm going to use this term loosely, not in a moral sense, a transgression, a cause for why death, uh, why they skip death. I think it, that's in the. It's because we're dealing with death. Death is. You can't avoid well, that, and that's why it's not really a movie. So there's no transgression, exactly. and that, there's no transaction. Why, it's just, it's but that's over why now. these movies get boring because, like, ultimately, there's nothing right. to combat. It's really just sort of like what's the order in which the machine plays out. Which is funny because they, like I said at the top of this, they they tried to get around that by making death kind of a dummy like he doesn't right. always that, like you just have the wire flapping around on her <laughs> hood of her car and they're like ah death uh, i can't damn i can't explode her car though you know i can't just randomly hit it with lightning like you know apparently i can and well later it's films. like it's like this um, right it's like uh the script started out being about premonitions right that's what you said it started out being about premonitions that's fine yes, and that's fine yes. and it's interesting it's interesting that somebody might have an like a, a a forbidden power, if you will, and I only I only mean forbidden in the sense that it violates the laws of the universe. That's all I mean by that. So, like this guy has premonitions for reasons he doesn't understand. Then doesn't it make sense that the rest of the movie they should be trying to figure out why he has premonitions? And they, he doesn't spend any time figuring that out. They, like they don't they don't look into. I mean, it. he doesn't ask that question, but. The, the FBI, the whole plot with like it does get him in hot water. Well, that's so they dress. But him it that feels way. like they butchered this at some point in writing or directing to get away from asking that question. And I think that question is actually what makes Final Destination interesting. Which is like, yes, death is going to use these machinations, but what if you were aware of how death works? Like that. Those are the two ingredients. Death working in this like absurd uh, way that you don't expect, like death taking you by surprise, but also you're aware of death's machinations. That's the premise of Final Destination. And the why are you aware of it piece, they never explore it. And that's weird to me. Because that's... Yeah, you really only get that one sequence. Yeah, and, and then uh... because they don't explore it, the film devolves, as you said, into uh, cool splatters. Right? I mean, that's what, because how many machines are you really interested in if you can't really escape the machine? None, right? I mean, like like one or two, and then you're done with it. You see, like, 
Yeah, and then it's just watching. But that that's another interesting notion to me as well, is that, that we know these things about slasher movies, yet we go time and time again. Uh, I guess they have a little bit more latitude because it's not for sure that death's going to kill them. But even in Final Destination, it's not for sure. Uh, always, someone will always survive. But they should have been learning. They should have been learning why uh, they like why they have this power and what death is like. <clears throat> you know? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's because we don't because it's death because we're like cosmically tied to concept. Um, because you don't ask that question about like Ghostface or Jason or Michael Myers, because you just go, okay, there's some element of fallibility, especially with like Ghostface, who's they like usually over all the they time. usually do. I mean, especially for the first few Jasons, they kind of abandoned it after a while because it was more of a, more of a setup. Yeah, I mean, they, he can be otherworldly, but he still can be beat. Death can't be beat, but in this movie, they do try to well, make but, an attempt. So again, that's but like that's the wish fulfillment piece of this story is the idea, what if you knew what death was going to do? What if you had some inkling of what death was going to do? Could you cheat death? You know, like, mm-hmm. that's the fantasy piece of it, and they yeah. never dive into it much. And actually, horror movies do get into this stuff all the time. It's usually the engine that gets them all the way through the plot, right? So, like, in the first Jason movie, they're still they're trying to figure out who the murderer is, Right and like and and they know that it's connected to Jason Voorhees, right? If I if I remember it correctly, mm-hmm. and then it turns out, you know, spoilers if you haven't seen the first Friday the Thirteenth, it's actually his mother, right? Like that's the, that's the whole idea, mm-hmm. and that relationship and the thing that happened to her son and her and and her is the sort of bedrock for all the Jason movies until they started to become a parody, right? And like so that's that's what yeah. I'm getting at is like this franchise could have endured if they would have been more willing to and I mean, you know, they can make movies, whatever. It would be more beloved, I think, if they had been willing to like explore, hey, there are just people in the world that get premonitions. Nobody knows why. But like the you know, death tries to kill those people, basically. And like then they keep sort of exploring the deeper meaning behind that in a wish fulfillment way. I think that franchise might have worked better. I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of just, no, you're kind of actually describing, um, shining. Well, I mean, that's why we love uh, the shining, you're right? Describing, we're, you're describing the pantheon of, uh, Stephen King books where like Dr. Sleep and such like that, or it, they all are these, I mean, you know, you know, I'm not going to get into it. I, I have a Stephen King. Podcast. I know you do. Yeah. yeah. So, like, and I, yeah, yeah. It's like, it, it becomes cosmic. That's how you do the cosmic aspect of it. They're like that. You have something, you have a power that you can fight back. They tried to do that with premonition here. Um, and it's kind of like a ticking clock of, can you figure out that you're actually a special boy before time runs out? But he didn't. Um, again, and the, the answer is always it has yes. to be yes or it's not a movie. Um, but again, I never felt like, and I don't know yeah. if you did, I never felt like he really understood his premonitions or why they were happening or where they were coming. Yeah, he just kind of like said like, oh, by the way, my fan spit out this uh, piece of newspaper that said Todd and Todd died. It's like that didn't help right. you though. <laughs> right. And that's th- right. <laughs> so exactly. So like because of that, we don't really care. Like we're not invested in 
his survival or really any of their survival because we're not mm-hmm. invested in their struggle because they never explore mm-hmm. struggling against it. They just sort of mm-hmm. like do the, the movie assumes, look, you know, and then they try to escape, right? That's what they would do. And there's only so long as an audience, we really care about that. If we don't see them making progress in that struggle and they don't make progress, they just accidentally don't mm-hmm. die sometimes. Right. It's weird. Yeah, it's a bad yes, movie. Okay, I'm sorry. I don't mean to waste your time on that. I, I, I... No, no, no. It's their bad movie. I only was coming to it just to be like, oh, look at these sequences. They built a sequence that is now memorable and in like in memorable to the point that I think everyone who's seen Remembers one of these one. films yeah. can pull it out as a trope. And like I referenced Hitchcock talking about audiences getting quicker and faster and the lexicon being more, you know, advanced. Uh, he wouldn't want to make, f- you know, films for us. Um, <clears throat> to me, that's what Final Destination is a part of. It built in the lexicon of our cultural understanding of movies, a, se- a very particular sequential death that you can do a parody of it uh, pretty easily. You can like they they own that space and they walked away from it. Yeah. I mean, which I thought was also interesting, but I guess that makes sense because you know, if you're making bad movies that you're like inexplicably, your hero survives, even though like death, the whole point is that they kill you and you, 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 it looked like you killed them. And then they do no work to like bring him back and say, actually the thing that saved him was like, he had like a, like they death shot him, but he had like a, you know, like a, you know, a flask in his pocket and it, it stopped the bullet. Like they didn't even do that kind of work. They were like, he grabbed a wire. It shocked him. He blacked out, but then he got fine. Right. And they don't tell this, us how it, like these it movies matter. operate on a purely. And then this happened and then this happened and then this happened level. Yeah. Which, and I think that's, that's right. why they abandoned the Rube Goldberg thing because they had no, because there's causality. Right. Well, they had, no, like they had no, they had no, like no undergirding narrative or emotional structure to inspire yeah. new kinds of murders. That's the thing about this bullshit yeah. lore there's, is it inspires yeah. new ideas, and they so if you don't do it, you don't get those inspirations, right? Like that's the problem here. I mean, and I say problem. Look, it's a successful franchise, and I enjoyed this one enough. Um, I've seen two 20 years ago. I don't know. Maybe they did get into this in three and four and I just forgot or didn't hear about it or whatever. Um, but to me, that's the glaring flaw that explains why they moved away from this idea so fast. Cause there's, you know, what you want is irony and they can't give you irony because there's no meaning to any of it. And I just mean that in a story. Well, sense. it's made for teens. Right, right, right. I mean, right. And, uh, I think, you know, maybe outlaw teens. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I watched, I still know what you did last summer. Uh, and that's an example of what happens when lore is dumb and you stick with it, you know, like, like, uh, cause the lore of that story is like, you know, this accidental death that they saw or I, th- or maybe they caused, I don't remember. And then, you know, you end up sort of seeing this murderer who was almost undead and then it's his son involved and it's just dumb. You know what I mean? It just gets really dumb when you are, beholden to that stuff so i don't know there's arguments for both sides i guess i guess i've said all opinions i've made every opinion abe indeed well this episode's going long so i'm gonna cut it (laughs) you're gonna cut all this (laughs) no i'm not gonna cut all this i'm just 
You just you're just tired you're of final exhausted. destination. You, you like you made you exhausted me. I got ex- I, I started excited. Now I'm, I'm like death, man. I'm inevitable. <laughs> you just slowly yeah, killing eroding me. your sense of safety. No, you, I mean you're you're right about all things. I mean, every, everything's chill, baby. Everything's so chill, baby. I, like, just, I don't want to. I don't want to think uh, about this. I just. I don't. I don't like. Let Devin Sawa live or die. I don't care. Yeah. yeah. It, like. Yeah. It, it does make me. That's why I brought this. It makes me want to quit podcasting. <laughs> this, like this bummed you uh, out. This movie and its choices. This movie bums me out. Uh, definitely because it's like bad choice on top of bad choice. Uh, and they had. I'm not saying they had like the golden ticket or anything like that. Like I, I, I don't know how many times I've caveated just in this hour, uh, you know, how I don't need to see more of these sequences where it's like, Oh yeah, the water's going at the feet, you know, like I don't truly care, but it's like, that was the unique thing about like find ways to break that system and make that unique. That to me is a hallmark of a good franchise. Uh, but once again, I think the reason that I don't care enough to even make an, a statement like that is that sequels are dumb. Don't do sequels. There should not be no sequels. What about stories broken over parts? Is that a sequel? I don't know. I mean, do you think of in that situation, do you think of Empire Strikes Back as a sequel? I guess no. If it was conceived of uh, as a longer like, story, like Harry then Potter it's fine. was not. There's no sequels in Harry Potter. Yeah, Fellowship of the Rings right. and stuff is not like right. it's a book, but it's like a, a chapter. It's yeah. chapters. I'm talking about you know even Die Hard too. Yeah, you know I'm you know put yeah. that on there. <laughs> like don't make sequels. By the way, you'll feel good about this. John McTiernan was not arrested for a crime that uh, we should feel bummed about. Uh, he was arrested for. For being awesome, like yeah, too like, uh, yeah, f- like uh, felony awesomeness. That's correct. No, I, he was. I think he was like yeah, recording you. somebody illegally who was like trying to screw him over. Like it was around. It was about the movie Rollerball. <laughs> like it was. Wait, whoa, whoa. So you got like into tiff with someone, and like it, the hijinks got to a felony that, level. That sounds more fun than this. it really is. Uh, I, yeah, it's probably. I a think. Lot more fun. I think it's there probably... was like some. He's probably an involved. asshole. Who knows? <laughs> uh, but yeah, basically there was like secret taping going on. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, he is a filmmaker. He's gonna. He's very quick. He to went the to tape. prison for four months. Uh, uh, he was lying to a federal. He was lying to a federal officer. Uh, anyway, people can look this up. It seems like it's. So wait, he is his felony that he was saying he lied about his association with a PI who uh, he I think he was having a PI investigate a producer uh, while they were shooting rollerball and the feds approached him about it and he lied about being associated to this PI. So like McTiernan hired a PI to uh, investigate. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's something really dark here, and I don't. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe something dark in there. I don't know. I actually haven't read anything about it. I'm not trying to make a hero out of John McTiernan. Yeah, you are. You know, maybe he's a piece of shit. I just think he he has he thinks the same way about movies than I do. That's all. Yeah, you love him. Sure. Yeah, it's okay. Just you can say you love him. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great.
I love you. All right. Bye. <laughs> My heroes. All right. Have a good one. This Bye. has been a small beans endeavor. We're a bunch of pals who make podcasts, sketches, music, web series, and movies. The beans always have new ideas percolating. So make sure to check us out at patreon.com slash small beans. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash small beans, where you can browse all of our current and past content, see what we've got planned in the future, and learn how your support can help the small beans grow into huge, giant monster beans. If you enjoyed this content module, please like, rate, subscribe, or tell a friend about us. We love you!